0: in the Bible. oh no, it's a fictional leader. Jesus is telling a story about a hypothetical leader. Uh, this guy is referred to as the dishonest leader, uh, a different kind of leader, but nonetheless a leader that we can learn something from. Uh, if, if you ever meet someone in the world and you say that you can't learn something from another person, then you're really uh, selling yourself short of the opportunity to glean something from another human being. And so Jesus is using this as an example to people, and I think you're going to find this is the weirdest story that Jesus ever told. It's the hardest story to preach. I actually uh, studied about 10 different sermons that people preached on this very text, and um, if it was up to me, I would not have preached it, but it's part of the lectionary, which is the the order of of, uh, texts that we preach throughout the year here, and they're preaching it. Jeff's preaching it over there. He said, I'm doing it. You gotta do it. So, um, So, But we're going to dive into it, and I think the good thing is that we are not avoiding this text, that we have to confront it and figure it out together as a community. And so let's start this text. It's the 16th chapter of Luke, and it's Jesus uh, recounting a story before the Pharisees, before the disciples, and before a group of tax collectors and sinners. This is the story of the dishonest manager. Jesus also said to the disciples, a certain rich man heard that his household manager was wasting his estate. So he called the manager in and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Give me a report of your administration because you can no longer serve as my manager. The household manager said to himself, what will I do now that my master is firing me as his manager? I'm not strong enough to dig, and I am, I like his honesty, and I'm too proud to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I am removed from my management position, people will welcome me into their houses. One by one, the manager sent for each person who owed his master money, and he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, 900 Gallons of, I don't, know, I don't know what this guy was doing with olive oil, but he has an olive oil addiction. I'm not serious, bad stuff. So uh, he said, 900 gallons of olive oil. <laughs> and the manager said, take your contracts, sit down quickly, and write 400, well, that's a really random number too, right? 450 gallons, half, and cut it right in half. And the manager said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, 1,000 bushels of weight. This guy's clearly not uh, gluten uh, or celiac disease. He likes gluten in his diet. 1,000 bushels of wheat. He said, take your contract and write 800. I like how he gets them to do the corrupt thing. Did you notice that? He's not doing it. He's just going to, why don't you do that? And then I'll honor it. The master commended what? Hold on a second. This does not make sense. The master commended the dishonest manager because he acted cleverly. Now, if you're a person who really likes justice in the world, this is going to really make you upset. If you're the kind of person that likes things to be a certain way and you say, this is how the world should work, you're not going to be happy when you read this text. And maybe that's part of the reason why Jesus tells it that way. Jesus says, people who belong to this world are more clever in dealing with their peers than are people who belong to the light. Who are the people who belong to the light? Everyone who's a follower of Jesus. Graham raised his hand in the back. That's right, Graham is the one person who belongs to the light. (laughs) Jesus says, I tell you, use worldly wealth. What is worldly wealth? It's money. It's your good looks. It's maybe your prestige or your position or your influence. Use your worldly wealth to make friends for yourself. Wow, that's a pretty weird thing to say. Jesus just said, make friends with money, right? (laughs) We're going to dig into it a little bit more. So that when it's gone, yes, your good looks will go away. And so will your money. And so will your position. Someday, someone's going to say either you're fired, hopefully not. But it happens. Sometimes some people get kicked, the occur. Okay. Some people find out that they're just not as important to their boss as they thought they were. And some people just retire. And the company says, it's time. You need to find out. And so what's left? He says, so that when it's gone, you will be welcomed into, oh, wait, it's different for the children of light. Our goal is not to be just welcomed into homes in the neighborhood. Our goal is to be welcomed into what kind of homes? Eternal homes. Homes that are forever. Essentially to be welcomed into heaven. You know that mission statement that the elders and the deacons just said before the sermon? I love that very last piece. It is so that all of these things, discover a living faith, experience the joys and the demands of the gospel, rejoice with gratitude and worship, and respond with generosity and service to others so that that's a big one so that we do all of this so that we can reflect God's kingdom to the community and the world so that the world can come to know heaven so people can be experiencing and living and and loving as though they were in heaven and actually having heaven here on earth. That's the Lord's prayer. The Lord taught us to pray, always pray, on earth, and, and let, and our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I want to ask you, what do you do with your wealth? What do you do with your wealth? Now, now some people may use your their wealth to acquire things. iPods, iPads, Apple watches, the new iPhone, maybe a boat. Maybe your goal is to use your wealth in order to acquire a home someday. Maybe your goal is to acquire wealth so that you can so that you can get a new car. But Jesus wants us to know whatever we Whatever relationship that we have with wealth in life, we are going to have a relationship with worldly wealth. We're not talking about spiritual wealth. That's a different thing. We're talking about worldly wealth. Money is a big one, right? He says, you're going to use that money in life, but you better not love that money in life. That money had better not take first priority. That wealth had better not take first, first base in life. It shouldn't be in second base in the baseball game of life. It shouldn't be on third base. It shouldn't even be in the bleachers or even in the stadium of life. You see, it's incompatible to love money and to love God. You just can't do these two things together. You cannot love money and love God. Jesus draws the line right there. Now, this, this verse is very, very confusing unless you understand what's going on. Jesus is telling this really weird story in the midst of a kind of dinner that he's having with a bunch of tax collectors, a party he's having with tax collectors. And and he has all of his disciples there too, and apparently the Pharisees are there too, and they say, the Pharisees say, you're having dinner with tax collectors and sinners. How could you? Well, Jesus stops... The conversation right there, and he says, Let me tell it. It's story time, people. And the disciples must have been like, uh-oh, they're in for it. <laughs> they knew what happened when Jesus told stories. He, every time, I bet every time Jesus, if he told stories today, he would love to do that drop the mic thing. You know, there's like we had a pastor here that once dropped the mic. I think he actually did it. I can't remember. Um am I right? Did he he did do it? I think he did too. I just imagine it. So The first story that Jesus told them was the story about a shepherd who had a hundred sheep. And he said, if one sheep was lost, this shepherd, wouldn't you just go and find that sheep and leave all the 99 sheep to be eaten by wolves, maybe, or just vulnerable? You're not going to watch them, but you're going to go after that one. And the Pharisees said, no, we would not do that. That's not the way that the world should work. And Jesus says, I'll tell you how the world should work. See, when that one comes back to the flock, heaven's gonna be rejoicing. All the angels are gonna be jumping up and down and they're gonna be saying, this one is restored to the community. And then Jesus told another story. He said, there's a story about a widow who lost one little, little coin. I mean, widows were so poor. They had no money. And she lost one little coin in her house and she tore up the house, tore it to pieces so she could find the one little coin. And when she found it, she was ecstatic and elated. Well, the Pharisees never liked a story about people tearing up the house. The house should be in order. The house should remain in order, even if it means that the widow's going to starve. Even if it means that the sheep just might die out on a cliff. See, things were about a certain way that the world should work. And then Jesus told him another story. He, said, he told him a story about two brothers, a younger brother who went to the father and said, give me my share of the inheritance, which meant let's tear this family in two and give me everything you got before you're dead. And so he gives him half of the inheritance. The younger brother goes off, not caring that he's leaving his whole entire family in shambles, and he, sp- he gambles it, and, and he squanders all of it, and he finds himself in a pig trough, And he says, here's what I'll do. I love it. The characters in Jesus' story, always say, here's what I'll do. I'm going to go back and I'm going to become a slave to my father. And I'll become a servant. And maybe I can earn back the wealth. Or at least I can be fed better than I am being fed now. with No no food in a country that had a famine. It was awful. So he goes back, and what does the father do? The father welcomes that servant back into his arms and embraces him. And he says, you are not going to be a servant. You're going to be a son in my household. Well, there's a little window at the end. The, the father throws a big party. He spends all the money they have, uh, all the liquid assets they have, on a um, big party. And the young, older brother comes in and finds that the party's going on. And he hasn't been invited. And the father comes out and he says, you've got to come into the party. And the parable ends with the older brother with his arms crossed like this. And we never know whether the brother went in. But I I like to think that Jesus looked around the room as he told this story, and he he saw a couple of Pharisees with their arms crossed. And he said, let me tell you one more story. The tax collectors were loving this story because they were offering hope to them. So then Jesus said, there's a story about this dishonest manager. And he robs from his boss and then when his boss fires him without any evidence that he's been robbing he just fires him this this dishonest manager then goes and robs really robs from the boss hey if you're going to call me a thief I might as well be a thief right and then instead I love this manager I mean he is so smart imagine this he just got fired and he he probably can't dig maybe he's really old or maybe he's I don't know maybe, maybe no one ever taught him how to dig but he's too proud to beg. And his reality is that he is going to start. He has no future. But in one clever chess move, he's able to go from a place of being totally, totally hated by the community. And rumors are circulating that he's dishonest by everybody, right? He goes in one move from the whole community despising him, him having no future, and, and then... He, he has no job, and then he turns it into the whole community loves him in one move. He, he never has to work again. He's just, he just going to show up people's houses and be like, remember that? Remember 450 gallons of olive oil? Yeah, I, I do too. Let, let me stay here for a, a, year, or a year or so. And, and the boss welcomes him back. The boss goes up to him, and he says, instead of saying... What is that famous line? Do you guys know it? If you swing your eyes and do this a little bit, what is it? What's that famous line from The Apprentice? Anybody know? You guys don't even know who was on show. You're fired. show. There was a guy that led it. You're fired. Huh? You're fired. You're fired. That's right. Only one person ever saw that show. You might be seeing a lot more of it. Um, Sorry. Um, But instead of doing that, he goes up and he says pretty good move. That was a clever one. And this guy is completely restored to the community. And in a weird way, wealth has taken a second place to all of the relationships. This dishonest manager has discovered that the more important thing in life is relationships, and the less important thing is actual wealth. That you can store up wealth in relationships with other people. But Jesus is talking about relationships in heaven. He's talking about building up the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about restoring people, not according to our views of righteousness, our views of how the world should work, they're not, uh, according to the Pharisees, who have their arms folded and say, you know what, that's not fair. That dishonest manager should have gone to prison. That dishonest manager should have not been welcomed back into the community. That dishonest manager, and, and all the people that were part of that should have maybe been crucified. And Jesus instead says, no, that is not how things will work. People will be restored, and your vision of justice will not take place if the kingdom of heaven is to come about on the face of this earth. Instead of judgment, people will receive forgiveness. And you know what is hard? We hate that message. We hate it because it doesn't fit into our view of how the world should work. That is, unless you're a child of the light. That is, unless instead of Operating according to the ways of the world, you're according, operating of ways, according to the ways of the light. Listen to how Jesus continues in this parable. He continues to say to them after the parable. Oh, we have to get down into it a little bit. One more. If you are faithful, let me see if we can find it. Whoever is faithful with little is also faithful with much. And the one who is dishonest with little is also dishonest with much. If you haven't been faithful with worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches? If you haven't been faithful with someone else's property, who will give you your own property? No household servant can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be loyal to the one and have contempt for the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. It turns out that it all comes back down to Jesus' most simplified command, that our whole entire life should be about loving God and loving other people. Loving God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving our neighbors as ourselves. Extending the kind of response and embrace that we would wish to receive from the people around us. This week we are starting a small group series, and it's called On God's Side. And it's recognizing the fact that our country is divided right now. There are people who are not embracing one another because of their political perspectives. And our congregation is split right down the middle. But not really. Because when you put God in the center of things, all things come together. Beautiful verse in Scripture in Colossians that says, It's Jesus that binds all things together. It's Jesus that draws all things together in Himself. Jesus takes the people who are lost, takes the coins that are lost, takes the sheep that are lost, and draws them together. And it's not about some fictional vision that, that, that we can only imagine, but it's about a real community that doesn't exist only in heaven, the real heaven that is, is to come, but is a real community that exists here and now. In a community where we invest in relationships and we put worldly wealth aside. In a community where we say, you know what, I have better things to do in the week than sit down with other people and to learn more about God and about how we can love each other. And they say, no, there's nothing more important than that. There's no football game that's more important than that. There's no, there's no time that is more important than investing in the people around you. And what you will discover when that person lights up with the love of Jesus, when they light up, you'll see them. You'll suddenly see it in their eyes. They'll turn to you and they'll say, I, I feel it. And you'll say, that's because now you are a person of the light. You've become a child of the light. And you get it now, but it's not about the way that we think the world should work or the way that the world thinks the world should work. It's totally different now. So uncross your arms. Open your hearts. And consider entering into community in some way. And putting the worldly wealth away. Putting away the things that the world values. And embracing God's love, not just in your life, but God's love for other people. Let us pray. Dear Jesus, you have embraced us. You have wrapped your arms around us, even though we, in so many ways, were the ones that put you on the cross. You have extended your embrace to us and you have shown that there is nothing that we can do that can separate ourselves from your love. There's nothing that we can do to stop you from loving us. And so God, we pray that our hearts would be melted, our minds would be transformed, our lives would be different. That we would become a people who are all about you. And that every worldly wealth that we have is used toward your purpose. It's used toward your goal and your dream of reconciliation and hope and and love. Speak to us, God. Speak to us in this moment. We have ears to hear now. We are listening to you. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen.